What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla, and uh, we got a very bizarre episode today, Harris, which I know, I feel like we say that every week, because, mm. and I also I mean, feel it like is, it's, it's in the title the premise, of our episode, like it's in the title of the podcast, so I feel like yeah. I shouldn't say that, but I always feel like I need to. Harris, I don't really have much to talk about with current, current events wrestling. I mean, I watch AEW every week and NWA, and, and stuff's happening, but I don't really care about yeah talking about it on the show because just okay you know stuff's happening and it's it's fine it's good i'm trying to get into watching nxt more um because mm-hmm. i really enjoy it i just ha i just haven't just haven't been watching i've been very anti wwe the past several months not even intentionally just anything that's a wwe thing i've just had no interest in uh that's fair in consuming so uh but I'm try- I am trying to get back in NXT because they're I I really really I I mean I love NXT and all and always have and I like what they're doing so um anyway but yeah uh, I think but I was just saying I I, I I don't there's not really any current event stuff I do have some other stuff to talk about though oh okay well we'll get to that um the only thing I can really think of I know I think NXT has a takeover coming up yeah because of WrestleMania right well no, right but the way they uh oh okay it's not sooner okay then i'm mistaken and let me look no, this up they have, i know they, in, there's a takeover coming NXT up i just take over portland right but i assumed I know coming up that that was the wrestlemania one and they were just doing it in a different location which really didn't make any sense no there's no but way. also it doesn't make any sense when you do four takeovers a year why would you do two within like two months right well no but what i'm thinking is yeah okay, normally never they mind do yeah it. it's it's uh it's it's in two weeks yeah because well, normally what you do is you have one with like each of the big five. Right, That's but kind I, of I kind of thought they it. weren't going to do that because they did the other one, the Worlds Collide one. I thought that was taking the place. Yeah, I didn't realize they were still going to do a separate NXT. Okay, well, I mean that that's fine. I mean I'm down. Yeah, you know, that being said, I don't know anything about what's gonna what's gonna happen. I was just gonna say I'm down, man. We got Champa facing yeah. uh adam cole and it is dope that's one thing i did see from this uh uh this past week mm-hmm. I, this past week or maybe it was a week before i don't remember now but it was Ch- champa is just awesome and he's great as both heel and baby face he's just outstanding because it's yep. basically the same character that's why it's so exactly. good it's just exactly. flip-flopped you know and yep. then he's just going against a heel so it, it works right and oh man that that is great. I don't even care about any other matches. Or I mean, I I might care. I don't know what they are, but that one I care about. I was gonna say I don't know what else is going on either. Oh, I just uh, know. Keith, I think I know Keith Lee will be defending the title, and I know two guys were who I kind of vaguely knew, but then forgot, and I don't remember their names. Were fought, both wanted to challenge him, and they fought. So I I I I didn't see the end of that match. So I don't know who won, and so I don't know if the winner of <laughs> I don't know if the winner of that's going to face him or if it's just going to be a triple threat. I think I that know. was the worst recap of all time. 
I told and that's you, including everything you, else we've I, ever I haven't said on this finished show. The show. I know these from two Wednesday. guys were going to fight for this thing, and then I didn't watch it. No, I did, but then I – this is what – okay, Harris, look. This, this is what I – I get up in the morning like 6.30, and I, I just briefly watch stuff as I'm getting ready to go to work. And so I'm not sitting – and so usually I'll just put in like NXT and be like, oh, I need to catch up on this. And so I'll watch like 20 minutes of it or 30 minutes of it. And I don't get through all of it. That's what happened. And then I haven't gone back and finished it. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about any of that. I'm not going to pretend to speak on NXT. I always say I should watch more NXT, and I always try to watch some of it, but not as much as I'd like. You need to start I watching do... AEW. Yeah, you got to pick one, Mark. It's no, the Wednesday Night Wars. Come on. No, you don't. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing ever. There is no wars. It's so dumb. Well, everyone just TiVos both of them and watches one right. and then watches the other one. Right. But Who no, cares? I'm just going to say on the main roster, the WrestleMania card got a little more clear. Uh, Edge is definitely going to fight Randy Orton. Oh, which is gonna yeah, be, we do need to talk about that. Which uh, is going to be really funny because Mark is going to be the only person on the planet like really loudly rooting for Randy oh, Orton. Did you see how big of a babyface turn Randy Orton just did on Raw? <laughs> it was awesome, dude. It was great. Like, I don't even watch I, – again, I don't care much about Raw. I will tune in every now and then, like the day after or something, just to see AJ Styles' match. But um, overall, I don't care. But then, you know, right after it happened, obviously on Twitter, you, you keep up with everything. And all the stuff with the Edge and Orton thing. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. So I watched the whole segment. It is – one, it, it's legitimately – awesome like it is really yeah. really good really yeah. well done um yeah. awesome idea randy orton i i think he is the greatest sadistic heel in the history of wrestling like uh, there's different types of heels but his type i think he is by far the best that there ever has been of just being this demented sadistic wanting to inflict as much punishment really for no reason half the time and I think he's better at that than anyone. Yeah, I think Randy Orton, even when he's playing a good guy, like even at his he very best. He can't fully shake that. Randy Orton seems like an a-hole. Like that's the best case scenario. So when he decides to actually just be a bad guy, I mean he's he's psychopathic it's when he awesome. wants to be. I mean you it look back awesome. the best heel things of the past 10 years and half of them are things that Orton did, whether it's – or or was it or was a part of or something? Whether it was you know the punk thing, with when he was or the when he was going through and just punting everyone and putting everyone in the hospital. Yeah. What you know? There's the legend killer thing, which yep. was kind of his first real big break. There's the uh, the Triple H feud where Triple H attacked him in his house. Like there's there's a lot of crazy stuff that Orton has been uh, been a part of. And it's most of it's really good. And this is up there. This is another one right up there. Oh, it was great. It was so well done. It was so well played by Orton. He's so good at the nuance of everything. Like there's just all the little things that he does is so much better than everyone else. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you watched the whole thing, Harris, mm -hmm. but just his, just the, the looks he's giving edge the like caressing his head and stuff like it's just so good the getting up on the top rope and then pulling the ultimate heel move and not jumping on edge 
Dude, people booed when he got down. Booed. These are people who are booing him for attacking Edge, but then they're booing him for not jumping on Edge's head. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, if you set something up and then don't do it, you get booed. Like, oh, that's the, the best heel thing. So right. all of that stuff was just so good. And then, oh, man, it was it was awesome. And then it was even better with the fact he was beating the crap out of Edge. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> there it is. I enjoyed that. That was way so too much positivity much, from you. I'm glad you veered back into I enjoyed it so much. He just smashed his broken, stupid neck in between the two chairs. Oh, it was it was glorious, Harris. I, I enjoyed it so much. I'm the biggest I mean, Randy that, Orton fan of all time. That's the perfect angle to run, too, because you have this guy come back from the right. kind of neck injury that he had that and made him RKO retire. And RKO fits right into it. Exactly. And the, yeah, and the, and the chairs, like all of it, it's perfect. You have to lean into that. That makes it super interesting. I also love, I know you didn't like this, but I love that Edge was just like, Look, I don't know how long this is going to last. I just wanted to do it one more time. Like, that's pretty cool that even he is saying, like, hey, look, this thing might snap tomorrow. I don't really know, but I'm going for it. You know, sure. I appreciate that mentality. That's that's a nice little nod to reality, I suppose. Like, you really don't know, especially with a guy as old as he is. Like, I think of Sting, you know, whose career just ended on this random weird buckle bomb. Yeah. That, yeah, that just is ruined true. his neck. Super interesting. It, it really but is. Obviously terrible. Or you even, just don't know even, when you get to that age and that level of injury. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is true. So there definitely is that. Uh, one thing I do respect out of Edge, um, the only thing really, um, is the fact that he doesn't dye his beard and hair. Jericho doesn't either. And just yeah, I'm just like, it looks you know really what? good. That's kind of badass. You know, I I like that. Like that, that yeah, that's I just kind of cool. It's so opposite of wrestling or, or show business in general that I just, I, I do, I kind of like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's something to be said, I think, for the theater of the thing, like leaning into sure. old man. You know, it's like old man Logan. I mean, both of them are doing a bit of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, so I like that. But anyway, I, I don't have, I mean, AAW was good again. You know, Moxley taking on Jericho is going to be fun. Well, you know, the, okay. the pay-per-view is coming up. Uh, I'm going to the show in less than three weeks when they're in Atlanta. Hey, yeah. Can't wait. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So cool. Anyway, that's all I have to say. But what right. I did want to talk about and what we didn't talk about last week is what's up with David Arquette. That's right. Yeah, Harris, I realized we actually forgot to talk about David Arquette last week, which I was quite embarrassed about be perfectly honest um i realized that afterwards but uh yeah so david arquette um he's been doing a handful of things wrestling involved i know he's made a couple of appearances at some stuff i think he just did one at he was like northeast northeastern wrestling or something like that and he made an appearance at but one thing we forgot to mention from two weeks ago is he and rj city were on stone cold's podcast it Harris, it was it was amazing. Like it is You're, you're gonna hate me because I downloaded it, but I haven't listened oh, to it. It's yet. so it is awesome. It is awesome. Like it, it's obviously it's gonna be awesome just because of it being David Arquette. But man, him and RJ City with Stone Cold is just such a great random combination and it works so well. Yeah. And uh yeah, I'm I'm not even gonna say anything. 
specifically about it because I don't want to ruin it for 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 you, Harris. Because it okay. is uh, perfect. Let's just say, yeah, it, it's everything you could have hoped for. Um, another thing, I'm. Oh, uh, oh yeah, that was the other thing. So what we just what just happened now? Obviously, he has a, uh, a documentary. His wrestling documentary is going to be coming out at some point this year. Not sure. I don't. There's not a specific release date yet. I don't think. Um, it'll probably be. I think I've heard sometime maybe March or some sometime around there. Because um, I think it's it's debuting at a festival. I think in a couple of months. So I'm not sure when it's going to be uh, actually like officially released, but it's coming up. And so because of that, they've what they started doing. I remember seeing this. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. They started. Uh, him and I guess guys or whatever they started to put up these like Dave like you cannot kill David Arquette bumper stickers yeah which is the name of the documentary of course you always hear that as our little David Arquette intro bit from this random early 2000s like techno punk band I don't even remember what they were called and it's a horrible song but it's awesome because it's all about David Arquette and uh, that's that little song that you hear. So that's what they titled the documentary, which is even better. And um, so they started putting these bumper stickers everywhere. And then I was seeing they, they posted another one. Someone had done it not too long ago, a couple days, like yesterday or a couple days ago. And so I was like, that's pretty cool. I was like, man, I wish we had some of those because we could just put those everywhere. Like, that'd be awesome. And so I just tweeted. I tweeted him just like, hey, how can we get some of these? And, uh, and then he, he DM'd me like an hour ago, he DM'd the account asking for, uh, for the address. So we might be getting some David Arquette bumper stickers that we then can plaster all over the city of Atlanta, which is going to be awesome. If that does. Yeah. Happen. I'm really excited about that. There's also something funny about looking at your phone and seeing a DM from David Arquette <laughs> saying, what's your address? <laughs> Like, yeah, I know he follows yeah. us, but that's still a weird level of celebrity intimacy that I'm not used to. Yeah, it it is. It it definitely is. That That's a that's a very good point. So, uh, anyway, that'll be awesome if that does happen, um, which I can't, <laughs> I can't wait for. Again, man, I'm leaning into this. I'm trying to take this as far as it can go. I, oh, yeah, I, we're, I mean, we're going to promote the heck out of whatever this is. I'm going to be like, we're, we're going to become some sort of unofficial platform for this stuff. That that's what I'm working on at the moment. So uh behind we'll the gorilla gets arrested it. for plastering David Arquette <laughs> bumper stickers in the wrong places. Oh, can you imagine? Like Mark, you can't put them on other people's cars. Stop it. <laughs> on the windshield. Yeah. It's fine. Look around it. Oh man. They can't read it. It's facing the other direction. That's fine. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And it works even better because you're right down there. So you're not you're not yeah. far away at all from from all that, from where everything happens. So I see guess. Some. Anyway, so that's kind of cool. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, another cool thing, it's not David Arquette, but it kind of is related because it's, you know, his unofficial best friend slash arch enemy slash tag team partner, RJ City. Harris, RJ City, obviously we hate him, you know, <laughs> because of David Arquette. But right. other than that, he's one of the most entertaining people in the world. And <laughs> I've, I, you know, obviously known this for a while. 
following him on everything and seeing a bunch of stuff. But Harris, the more I see things that he does, the more I enjoy it. He by far is one of the most entertaining Twitter accounts there is. Just <laughs> period. And he is one of just the wittiest people it's, it's definitely in wrestling that there is today. And I don't know if you've seen this, but he started a new thing. He's done several cool, a lot of stuff on YouTube, and a lot of it's very entertaining. Obviously, he does the making coffee in his underwear every mm-hmm. uh, Sunday, which is very entertaining. Usually, it's just like Instagram Live, and he reads questions and comments from people, or he has guests on. He had one from like three weeks ago with David Arquette and Dalton Castle. David Arquette's been on it several times. Um, he did the one with Stone Cold, which was hilarious because it was a minute and 13 seconds long because Stone right. Cold was like, get out of my house. <laughs> and it was perfect. Uh, another thing he does, he does like trailer reactions to movies, uh, which is also great. He did a bunch of Christmas ones during you know this past Christmas season. He did one for a David Arquette Christmas movie called John's where he plays a uh, male prostitute. That's very entertaining. But he just started doing a new thing, Harris. And he reads wrestlers' books. <laughs> it is my favorite thing I've ever seen someone do as far as, like, YouTube videos about wrestling. He he takes, like, a segment of a wrestler's, like, autobiography. And he dramatically reads it. And And, and by that, I mean, like, if you would see, like, you know... The old man doing a uh, a reading, you know, a very nice reading of like a classic story. He does that, like he inflects in all these places, and it is, it's wonderful, and I highly recommend watching it. He's done two so far. He did Hulk Hogan, and he did Triple H, and they are great. <laughs> So that's incredible. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Yeah, I had to I had to put that out here because it is it, it's one of the most ingenious things I've ever seen someone do. And I don't know why he does so many things where you're like, oh, yeah, that's so easy. Why did other people not think of that? Because he's just that creative with the stuff that he thinks of. I mean, even the other thing where he started doing uh, um, like RJ City's like wrestling history where they're like a minute and a half like Twitter videos where he, a famous wrestling thing, uh, he'll act like he was the one who started it. And he did one with DX, how he's the one who started the suck it. Uh huh. And then someone animated it a few days ago, some animation thing. And so now it's like an animated video and it's wonderful. It's great. He's very entertaining. I absolutely gonna have to check that out that sounds very entertaining so anyway that kind of goes in with the what's up with david arquette and uh yeah so so pretty pretty cool things going on in that in that world yeah anyway david arquette knows where you live mark how does that make you feel (sighs) i don't know (laughs) i just i just i just don't know I should have given him your address. Okay. Like, send hate mail here. He just he sends me a copy of Ready to Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That's fair. <laughs> that is still just one of the best moments ever. Mm. Okay, so. You ready anyway, to get into this? Let's get into this. Let's Topic get into one this. of two. Okay, so. 
you the, I, I'd like to you know I like to kind of have a little build and then drop the hammer but you know what I'm talking about this week because you were here I was when I was researching it and the beauty of this is it's only one match so I got to watch it two or three times and kind of sink my teeth into it but uh, I just want to pause by saying uh, let me introduce this by saying this um well, they you don't know. know I, they don't know necessarily. Well, right. I guess they do because they read the title. So. No, but you know what I mean. We talked about, you know, you know my history of watching wrestling. That I got into it in early 2014, and you know we each have our own lists of things that we will potentially talk about. But there are a couple of things that I remember hearing about in the early days of being a wrestling fan and not really knowing what I was getting into. Right. And just thinking, wow, that's crazy. Like, what a wild thing wrestling is. You know what I mean? Like, things that just stuck out in my imagination because I didn't know everything about wrestling yet. And one of them, we've already done an episode on. It was the uh, the Edge and Lita live sex celebration. Oh, my gosh. My that episode's almost at 200 listens. <laughs> Very good. It is. Oh, it's so annoying. I remember one of my friends telling me about that, just thinking, wow, that's crazy. You know, that's a weird thing to happen. And there's a couple other things on that list, but this is the other big one that I remember hearing about that just left such a weird impression on me, Mark, because it's honestly, and rewatching it again for this show, I think it's one of my favorite wrestling moments of all time. It's definitely up there. And. Let me just say this this too. When I was first getting into wrestling, the thing that really appealed to me about it more than anything else was the fact like the parallels between this is super dorky, but wrestling and live theater. It's this weird hybrid of athleticism and storytelling, but it's all live. You know the way they do it now, it's live, it's on the air. You're going out there, you are having these wrestling matches with someone. And you can't stop. You can't break. Like you have to execute on the same level and in character, just like you're in a Broadway show. Obviously, it's a little different because it's it's more about the fighting, the choreographed fighting, and less about the actual like acting and delivery of your lines. But that element of like you're live and you cannot screw up and you cannot stop. That is real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I remember well, uh, Let's see. How should I put this? No, 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 no. I'll get to this later. So (laughs) the episode we're going to talk about now takes place all the way back in 2005. I was in fifth grade. I thought that wrestling was silly if I thought about it at all, because who could ever like that? It's it's dumb. But I was in fifth grade and I knew about wrestling and enjoyed wrestling, but was not in current WWE Stuff. This was Mark watching uh, WCW and NWA videotapes for the most part. Very good. Not so not hipster, not a hardcore wrestling fan yet. I didn't get become yeah. a huge wrestling fan okay. until about age eleven. So basically, your little background. You, you here. go you go practice the violin, and then if you have time, you watch some old wrestling tapes. N- uh, sure. <laughs> sure. That that sure. that can be that, that can be the on screen. Or uh, the podcast version of the story, yes. Okay. okay. That's the Mark Cochran, so, the, uh, the the character. Okay. Kayfabe Mark. Right, okay. exactly. 
The the literal okay, so, mark. Right. So either way, the year is 2005. Neither of us are watching wrestling. It's almost like nothing's current, changed. Current wrestling. Right, 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 right. Right, yeah, nothing's changed. But if we had tuned into the Royal Rumble that year, we would have seen what is – it's a fine Rumble match. I watched the whole thing in preparation for this episode, and it's fine. There's one or two, you know, really good um, – storylines woven into it like i know for example there's a moment where uh sean michaels eliminates kurt angle so then kurt angle makes sure sean michaels is eliminated puts him in the ankle lock at ringside and boom you have a wrestlemania feud and a great one Born yeah we've right never there. seen it built that way before ever no but there's you know it's done well and they're interesting <laughs> characters and there's a couple moments like that but for the most part like we talked about this last week even though we didn't love the booking decisions that they made necessarily in last week's Royal Rumble, like the match itself was done really well. It was sure, paced sure. really well. There was a lot of different stories going on. There was a distinct like, okay, there's this half and this is the ongoing story. And then there's this half and this is the ongoing story. There's not a ton of that in the 2005 Royal Rumble, but ultimately at the end of the day, you get down to the final four and it's Rey Mysterio, everyone's favorite. Uh, Edge, Mark's favorite, and John Cena and Batista. The company's favorite. And this is something – yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as th- this has been going on the entire night at this point. Yeah, the commentary team is doing a really good job of every time someone comes out, they're like, oh, it's a SmackDown guy or oh, it's a Raw guy because this is in the middle of the original bona fide – grand split which was really good and this is way back it's great and this is back when they took it seriously there wasn't a lot of crossover except at these major pay-per-views so think of the uh think of of major league baseball up until like the early 90s when literally the american Mm. league never played against the national league Except for the yep. All-Star Game and the World Series. There was no interleague play. That was it. Which I think is something that's a little bit lost nowadays. Because now there's yeah, a bunch of interleague play. And true. it's not... I don't know why it makes it more like important feeling. Like I don't know how to word that. But it makes it seem like a bigger deal. Just you know. No, I know what you mean. I mean, it's... It's like wrestling, honestly. Like, yeah. if the same guys can fight each other week in and week out, you get kind of bored with it. But if the two people squaring off are on two different brands, or the four people squaring off in this case are each from two different brands, then it becomes a bigger deal because you don't see that every day. And that's something that's kind of hard to avoid in wrestling. Yeah. So we get down to these final four. And Taz, on commentary, points it out. He goes, two SmackDown guys, two Raw guys. But I I don't know if that's going to matter. It's every man for himself. Oh, Taz. (laughs) Sweetie. It is going to matter. So, Edge eliminates Rey Mysterio fairly quickly. Throws him over the top rope. Hits him with a spear while he's on the outside. Knocks him to the ground. And then, a little too full of himself. He goes after both Batista and John Cena, who are fighting, like punching each other on the ropes to his left. He tries to eliminate them both at once, and instead they both dump him. That's the best part of the match. So now we're yeah, right, exactly. So now we get down to John Cena and Batista. The final two. JR points out 
one man from Raw, one man from SmackDown, one of these men is going to be in the main event of WrestleMania. Which, which, you know what the most, uh, I don't know if ironic's the right word. You have to think a lot before using that word. But I think the most interesting thing with this is, is John Cena is the SmackDown guy, and Batista is the Raw guy in this instance. Which, they yeah, will become now, isn't it? the staple of the opposite brand within the next year. And now when you ever think of Batista, yeah. you think of him as the height of SmackDown guy. And then John Cena's yeah. pretty much always been the Raw guy. The only time he was on SmackDown was Thug Life John Cena, which this is the tail end of that. Because 2005 yeah. is when he gets drafted to Raw, and then a- as the WWE champion after beating JBL for it at WrestleMania, and then that's when the real superstar John Cena really takes off. So we're right before that. Right. And Yeah, but he's. this is the other funny thing. Both of these guys are pretty popular. Like, it's oh, definitely sure. different portions of the fan base. But, like, when John Cena came out, John Cena came out at number 25. Pretty big pop. This is U.S. champion oh, yeah. John Cena, original doctor of thugonomics, you know, word life. He's got the chain around his neck. He's got the spinner belt. And he's getting a genuine ovation when he makes his way down the ring. Yeah. Same thing with Batista. Batista's a little more popular. He comes in at 28. Well, he was also with Evolution. Pretty massive so. pop. He's... Correct. He's still with Evolution. He's doing the thing where, like, he's in a heel stable, but everyone really likes him and is really rooting for him to turn on the heel stable, yeah. that the, sort of thing. There was a great part so in this he, match when Ric Flair was in it, which is the best part of the whole yeah. Rumble. Uh, other than yeah, Ric Flair was number about. 30. Other than what we're going to talk about in a minute, that that's the best part right. of the Rumble is Flair coming out and just going 100 million percent Flair, but with Batista as, like, his heater with him. And so, yeah. oh, that is so entertaining. It, yeah, it's great. It, it really is. So the crowd is hot for both of these guys. They're both relatively fresh in the match. So like I said, there weren't a lot of like stories told throughout the entire Rumble. But that's fine because this is a big deal. This is yeah. a big, big showdown. This is it's like everything best, they best could... scenario for final two in a rumble as far as where yeah. both were in their career. Oh, for sure. Like this is sure. this is what the rumble is should be made for is this type of career making moment at this point in a wrestler's career where these two guys were. Right. And it's you know a lot of wrestling that the money is made, the best stories are told in the climb. Both of these guys are on the uptick right now, yep. right? Yep. So they they square off. They're both, you know, kayfabe pretty worn out at this point because they've been in the match for a few minutes. You know, it's taken a lot out of them, just narrowly escaping eliminations, things like that, right? And Cena gets Batista up for the FU. And Taz really is, is, is a total homer. He's a total SmackDown guy. He's, he's pulling really hard for John Cena. And he gets him up for the FU, and Taz is like, throw him out, John, throw him out, throw him out. Come on, you can do it. And he can't quite do it. Batista's too heavy. He, he kind of, you know, his knees collapse under him after he tries once to tip him over. And then Batista picks him back up. And Batista goes for the patented Batista ball. Swings John Cena all the way up above his head. And John Cena keeps going. Instead of pausing at the top and Batista slamming him back to earth, Batista's so tired, John Cena's so tired, that he overextends. John Cena's weight pulls him backwards over the top rope. And they both topple 
over the top rope, crash to the ground at the exact same time. Which, to be honest, is very impressive how they were able to pull that it's off so well. Incredible. And I was so. I want to refer at this point to something I've mentioned on this podcast before, but there's a great interview on the podcast The Masked Man Show where the host, Dave Shoemaker, is interviewing Bruce Pritchard, and he's asking him questions about booking a Royal Rumble, right? And it's kind of just a general, like, every fan has always wanted to know this kind of stuff about sure. a Royal Rumble. It seems impossible. And Yeah, and it's a very it's, – it's, it's a great interview to hear them talk about, like, the booking process and, like, different mistakes that they've made and this is where i want to come back to to what i said earlier about wrestling being um sort of improvisational it's that interesting blend of like athleticism and theater but you're also in character the whole time so you're doing all these stunts you're doing all these moves but you have to execute properly in order to tell the story one of the stories he tells is about how like they, they ran this finish once with Lex Luger and Bret Hart because what they were thinking at the time was, well, we want to do Lex Luger for WrestleMania, but I don't know. Bret Hart is getting really, really popular. Maybe we should hedge our bets and do a simultaneous elimination and sort of be able to go one way or another with what we do. Right. And they talk about this and, and they talk about how hard this is to pull off. Because even when you know your job is to both hit the ground at the same time, that's very hard to do. Yeah. And it was a similar spot where they both, you know, are eliminated. And they said the reason they were comfortable pulling it off is because Bret Hart is one of the best pro wrestlers of all time. And they knew, like, he could do it. And they would be completely in control the entire time and do this double elimination. So if you don't know what we're talking about at this point or exactly what is going to happen— just understand that, like, one, if you're a smart mark sitting in the crowd watching this happen, it's not something you've never seen before if you know your wrestling history, but it is not something they do a lot. It's something that's very hard to pull off, and like I said, they they hit the ground at the exact same time. It's amazing. Like, if you're really, really, really smart, smart, you're sitting there thinking, wow, that was really well done. And they both hit the ground, and the crowd kind of senses it. Like, it's it's a great moment because it's very hard to, like, get a wrestling crowd to not know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But they don't know what to do. Like, there's you hear it. You hear the confusion. It sounds like, you know, like a real fight has just been thrown out or, like, genuine, genuine confusion. And there's, like, a moment of tension on the ground, and then a ref kind of flusteredly points to Batista says John Cena hit the ground first he, he won and he raises Batista's hand and the other two reps get up and Cena staggers to his feet rolls back into the ring and the other two refs slide in and then you, you you knew this if you watched at the time but even watching now you realize the two refs following Cena are wearing Smackdown t-shirts those are the SmackDown refs. They have well, both refs they're, they're ref not, in the match. They're wearing the, like a, the, the SmackDown refs had different ref shirts. They were blue. Right. Well, they're and, like their polos, but they yeah, say yeah, SmackDown yeah. on them. Yeah. The Raw referees have a more classic, you know, stripedy look like a normal referee, basically. 
And they stagger into the ring, look at one another for a second, and then grab John Cena's hand and hold it up above his head. They say he's the winner. Batista hit the ground first. And the crowd still doesn't really know what to do. They, they don't know what to make of this. And another Raw referee slides into the ring. So now we've got six men in the ring, John Cena, Batista, and two refs. And the Raw refs raise Batista's hand again. And now they're doing this thing. It's like the boo, yay, like, you know, that rhythm and reaction that you see in wrestling all the time where one guy will punch the bad guy and the crowd will go, yay, and then the bad guy punches him back and they go, boo. They're doing that. And, you know, there's a certain, like, rhythm to it, a give and take, so it just sounds really pleasant and it's fun to get into and cheer and it gets accelerated as it goes along. They're doing that, but with these two guys, boo, yeah, yeah, like different parts of the crowd are cheering for these guys. And, again, you're watching it and you're thinking, wow, this is awesome. I can't believe they're pulling this off. And then the camera cuts to the entrance ramp. And Vincent K. McMahon is storming to the ring. And Mark, he is furious. And we've seen, you know, if you watch a lot of wrestling, you you get a pretty good feel for what Vince McMahon, the character, the evil millionaire character is like when he's mad. Billionaire. Well, he's a billionaire now, but I don't I don't think he was at the time. <laughs> yeah, that was before they were publicly traded. Right. This is different. This is not the kind of Vince McMahon you are used to seeing. And this is not something that like you I don't know if you would have noticed at the time, but listening to it now, you could you, you can see first of all that Vince McMahon is not his normal kind of mad, and you can hear as he's making his way down to the ring, and JR says, I, I wrote this down because it's a great quote, we've got a major malfunction at the junction here, which is <laughs> just an incredible line. But Mark, if you know JR well, you hear him say that, and you know that something is wrong. Right. Because this was not the finish of the match. They botched it. They botched the biggest match of the year <laughs> with the biggest ramifications, and they did it perfectly. <laughs> the spot, the reason, Mark, the reason that the ref, the first ref, looked really flustered, paused for like three seconds, and then said, uh, Batista wins. It's because Batista was supposed to win the match. <laughs> Clean as a whistle. He was supposed to get John Cena up for the Batista bomb. He was supposed to like overcompensate and dump him over the top rope, but catch himself and win the match. <laughs> and instead, he couldn't catch himself. He fell over the top rope, and they both – it's not a – they they literally if they tried to do this they couldn't have done it but they <laughs> no. both accidentally hit the ground at the exact same time yeah and it, if any of you like haven't seen this we're not kidding like it is legit like there is not a millimeter of difference from when these two land like like if you try this is why everyone's so flushed like you couldn't even go to a replay and be like okay his toe hit an inch. Like, it is exactly the same right. time. 
So this is what, like, again, this is what brings me back to why I love pro wrestling so much and love the idea of pro wrestling. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell a personal story here. So my senior year, I was in my high school's production of the musical Oklahoma. And it was kind of, it was a bit part, like I had some lines, which was nice, but I wasn't like a star of the show or anything. But one of the guys who was, is a very good friend of mine. And, you know, he was the star of the show. He played the character Curly, right? And one of the fir- the first song in the show, if you haven't seen Oklahoma or you don't remember or you don't care, he is on stage and it's basically your introduction to this character. And he's singing to this girl that he likes and her aunt about how, you know, he's going to take her out in this great Surrey and it's going to be a-, a great date, right? He's just you're introduced to this character as this charming kind of like arrogant, but in a, in a likable way, the ultimate baby face basically. But this song Surrey with a fringe on top is like moment one. It's like the first big thing that starts to happen in the musical. And we're sitting there backstage and we can hear him kind of go about it. And it's like the third or fourth production of this show. And of course we've been practicing it for like literally weeks So we know how it's supposed to go, and we're just kind of sitting back there, you know, listening and waiting for, you know, our cue to do whatever we were supposed to do next. And the song starts off, and he sings the first verse, and then you kind of hear something in his voice flicker. And then he stops singing, and all of us backstage all at once looked at each other and said, oh my god, Jacob forgot the words to the song. (laughs) Live in front of a couple hundred people and the song that he had practiced for weeks and months and knew like the back of his hand. And he just looked up, opened his mouth and there was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) There was absolutely nothing. And you can't run. You can't hide. You can't say line. You just have to go with it. So he just went with it. And he literally just like scat sang. For about 30 uninterrupted seconds until he remembered the words again. He stood up there in character on stage and went And like the song didn't make any sense because a big chunk in the middle of it was missing. And it was incredible. And that's what I love about doing stuff live like that is you can't stop. You can't hide. Whatever happens, you just have to go with it. And when John Cena and Batista both went over the top rope, like, they just went with it. There was nothing you can do. You can't do over. It's not a TV taping. The first ref, I genuinely think, is reacting, trying to just say, okay, he's the winner. And just trying to force the finish of the match. Right. But, like, the more he thinks about it and the more the other two guys, the other two SmackDown refs look at each other, they're like, it doesn't, it's not, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. What do we do? They don't know what to do. All they know is they can't break character. Now, Harris, this is great that you picked this, obviously, because the rumble just happened. Also, the show we had two weeks ago before we did the review shows from NWA and the rumble, I talked about three crazy matches in WCW history. Mm-hmm. And the first one if you guys remember, was Billy Kidman and Dean Malenko (laughs) in a match where the only 
stipulation was you could not, under any circumstances, leave the ring or you lose the match. <laughs> and three minutes into the match, Dean Malenko rolls out of the ring to get away from Kidman. <laughs> and then immediately everyone's like, oh no. He tries to come back in because he still doesn't realize what he did. You see right. Charles Robinson sitting there like, uh, y- you lose, dude. Tony Schiavone <laughs> has said about four times the rules of this match. And so as soon as this happens, he's just like, well, the match is over. <laughs> like, he's out. And it's funny because apparently, I don't know how much this is true, but apparently they were maybe going to try and just keep going. Because I know Malenko was going to try and do that, and Kidman also. Yeah. But clearly they someone said – because there's like a 30-second delay where no one knows what to do. And then clearly someone was like, uh, we have to end it. The announcer said the match was over. <laughs> and so then you see Ro- Charles Robinson go over to the timekeeper and say, match is over. He lost. And then they just have to leave. <laughs> this is Now imagine that, but – in the biggest possible match of the year. And right. it's basically that's where we are. Right. And again, like, this is the, again, that interview with Bruce Pritchard is fascinating because they're talking about, like, the reason the Royal Rumble is so much fun to watch is because the ramifications of this thing are huge. Not anymore, like they built, but they were. Right, right, right. Well, like, they built this into kayfabe for a reason. Like, what what happened was Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble in 92. Mm-hmm won the title great match and that was the first year that anything had really been on the line so the next year they were looking at each other and they were like we can't just have a royal rumble match we have to make it for something and that was when they made it for the title shot at wrestlemania and it just became an even bigger deal well it but used the to Ram- be for the main event at wrestlemania right 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 because well there you know there was only one title like of course right. that was the main event so that was it was a huge huge deal and that was still the case here they were talking about it all the time like even though it was a brand split, there was a choice of who you were going to fight between which brand. Like that was the title fight. That was the main event of WrestleMania. And they botched the finish. Like if, if John Cena had gotten caught up in the ropes and Batista hits the ground, you have nothing. You're like, all right, I guess John Cena is going to WrestleMania now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like they would have just had to roll with that. The to be fact honest, that, that they almost botched been funnier. It, well, yeah, no, for sure. But well, it, except for what's about to happen next. Right. But, if they had botched it that way, you, you can't even save it. You got nothing. You're like, he won. Like, you are so locked in that you have to roll with whatever happens. And if you mess up, you have to go with it. I think the Royal Rumble, honestly, more than any match in WWE is like this in the sense that there is no margin for error, right? Sure. So when Vince McMahon is making his way down to the ring and he is pissed. You have got to understand that this is not, oh, angry, fictional billionaire, Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, the evil character. No, 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 no. This is a man who is teeing up the biggest show of the year, is sitting (laughs) backstage, realizes that these two numbnuts ruined his match, (laughs) throws and gets up and storms off and storms his way to the ramp. And as he's making his way down the ring, he takes his suit coat off 
throws it to the ground, stomps by Edge, who got eliminated like <laughs> three minutes ago in real time and is still selling his injuries <laughs> and like lipping his way up the ramp, but in his mind. And he got interviewed about this later. He was like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They blew it. Like, he knows this is happening. Everyone backstage knows this is happening. And Vince just blows right by him, comes storming down to the ring, slides into the ring, springs to his feet, and immediately drops and sits back down. (laughs) And everyone just kind of looks at him. (laughs) And for the second time, and you have to understand, this is happening in like two minutes in real time. For the second time in two minutes... The crowd, this live rowdy crowd of like 15,000 people goes and just stops because they popped when Vince came out. They were like, all right, here we go. The chairman's coming out, you know, to clear it up. And then he sits down in the ring and everyone again goes, what? (laughs) It's not like a work. It's genuine bafflement. And for the second time in two minutes, John Cena, Batista and four WWE referees have absolutely no idea what to do. Like there's no there's no reference point for this as a wrestler. Like if Vince McMahon had come into the ring and like attacked John Cena, (laughs) John Cena would have gone with it like that. You you get you know, that's something you kind of have to understand as a wrestling mind. I know, um, you know, like how at the end of um, of WrestleMania X7 when Stone Cold turned heel and shook Vince McMahon's hand and he's talked about it before on his show. He says, yeah, you know, sometimes I wish I had a. Looked at him as we were shaking hands and out of the corner of my mouth told him, watch the stunner and then hit him, you know, to close WrestleMania. Because that's something you have to be able to adapt to in wrestling. Like if somebody calls a finisher or calls a turn or whatever on the fly, you can roll with it. Well, a lot of it, not in WWE, but a a lot of wrestling, most wrestling is is done like that. Exactly. Very or little just, of wrestling exactly. is fully mapped out. The, Absolutely. So, I mean, that that's that's just a part of it. I mean, it's an improv show. Right. So, exactly. And that's, dude, exactly right. And that's what's so fascinating about this whole thing is for the – they have no frame of reference for this. Like, there's no – oh, yeah, sometimes another wrestler will come out to the ring and then just sit down like a clown. And then you know, oh yeah, then I do this. You can't sell for that. There's nothing to sell for. There's nothing to do. It's it's so basically second- here. Here's an even better example as far as the improv thing goes. You know, the one rule of improv is you go with whatever it is. Yeah. Yes, and right. that's the rule. So this is like someone going, "Hey, why'd you take this?" And you go, "I didn't." Yes. It's dead. That's basically <laughs> what Vince like, McMahon right. running in and then sitting back down is. They're like, right. "Okay, we messed this up. All right." We can play off this. He'll do something that it's it's dead. Wait, now what? And you you see it. You hear it in the crowd. The crowd goes, wait, what? And then you see it on Batista's face. Like for the second time in two minutes, John Cena, Dave Batista, and four WWE officials who are all very good at what they do have absolutely no idea what to do. They were about they were ready to play off of whatever Vince McMahon was about to get in the ring and do. They were not ready to play off of Vince McMahon getting in the ring and immediately sitting down. And it cuts to Batista. This is an accidental, like, this footage could win an Oscar for Best Direction, and it's completely (laughs) on accident. But they, they just capture everything perfectly. It cuts back to Batista 
who is like visibly taken aback <laughs> and confused. <laughs> but again, this is what you just said. It's an improv show when, when everything falls apart and you can't stop. The only thing you can do is stay in character and yep. just keep going. Yep. Keep letting it play out. So what does Batista do? He turns around, grabs John Cena, and throws him over the top rope. <laughs> and throws both his hands in the air. He's like, I did it! I won! And the Raw referees are like, uh, he won! <laughs> Batista won! And John Cena gets back up and says, no, sir. Runs back into the ring, grabs Batista, and throws him over the top rope. <laughs> and then yeah. the SmackDown refs run up and hold his hands up, and he won! This commentary is, this is the equi- this is the equivalent of hulk hogan pinning um uh, pinning rick flair in a strap match <laughs> and then afterwards being like oh shoot and then touching the fourth and turn touching the last rope no but the that's how helpful Mark- that is again go back to uh episode from yeah. two weeks ago but the difference is all of this works perfectly. It does. That's what's so insane about this. They are making all of this up. From the second they both went over the top rope, they've been making all of this up, and it's perfect. They've been emphasizing brand warfare all night. The fact that these two guys from two different brands are fighting each other is a huge deal. The fact that the refs for each show would choose their respective champion is a great storytelling decision. And the fact that these two guys would still be scrapping and trying somehow to one-up each other, even while the refs try to figure out what's going on, is perfect. And none of it was supposed to happen. And as they're fighting, as they're arguing back and forth, and the refs are still doing that thing where they raise their respective hands, again, accidental cinematography. The camera cuts back to Vince McMahon, who is sitting... In like slacks and a button-down t-shirt and like really (laughs) nice shoes, sitting on the ring with his back on the bottom rope and this look on his face that Mark, like, you know, there's something to be said for like wrestling acting where it's like very over the top. But like most of Vince McMahon's acting is not good in the traditional sense, right? It's good wrestling acting. Like it's fun. But it's not really, like, convincing in the same way that, like, a really good actor is. Mark, the look on Vince McMahon's face in this shot says better than any actor ever, ever, ever could. This cannot be happening to me right now. (laughs) Because Vince McMahon is the only person in the building who knows that when he stood up after sliding in the ring... He tore both of his quads. (laughs) And he can't stand up. They've just botched the ending to the biggest show of the year, the most important show of the year, the ending you absolutely cannot botch because it will have very, very real kayfabe implications. He came to the ring to fix it, and now he can't stand up (laughs) at all because he's torn both of his quads. He's torn both of his quads after spending a decade building a reputation as this incalculable, uh, inconquerable doofus who knows no pain and is incredibly strong and incredibly alpha and would never, ever, ever be subjected to any embarrassment whatsoever. And now, live on television in front of thousands of people, 
he literally can't stand up. <laughs> so while all this is going on, Batista starts. This is when he grabs Cena, throws him out of the ring. Cena comes back in, throws Batista out of the ring. While this is going on, I, I think it is Charles Robinson gets down on one knee and is like, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Vince has to communicate to him, uh, "No, no, no, I cannot use either of my legs." Also, the only thing we can do here is restart the match. <laughs> <laughs> So they do that. They just they, wait a minute. They get isn't technically hasn't Batista won since he then threw John Cena out again already. Well, no, 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 because that didn't count. Well, why not? Well, because I mean, whatever happened, like the way it works, I think in case, you know when they fell over the top rope, they both hit the ground. The match ended. I know. I understand. It, but the, if the, you're thinking about it now, an no, no, even no. Well, easier solution would be well, Batista threw him out again, so he wins. We don't even have to restart. It. Well, you would think, but what's so what? I guess the rationale in kayfabe is the match ended when somebody hit the ground first. We just need to know who hit the ground first. So in t- throwing John Cena over the top rope after that, it was not in a match. It, it wasn't. I anything. know. But, I know. I know. I know. It's just funny. But so Vince does the only thing what I guess he came down there to do in the first place. But the only thing they could really do in that situation at all and restart the match and <laughs> They just have to wing it because they have to finish somehow. So John Cena tries to get an FU, can't hit it. Batista hits a spine buster, picks him up, like spins him around in a circle almost once. Like he grabs him and instead of throwing him out, he grabs him, like turns the long way around. Almost like he's generating momentum and then throws him very definitively and very carefully from like the middle of the ring, throws John (laughs) Cena over the top rope. And Batista's won the match. And it's honestly, it's incredible to me that they don't like, I was rewatching this, right? And I thought to myself, there's no way that this was actually a botch because it's too perfect. It's all so good. If it weren't for Vince McMahon's quads blowing out, (laughs) like you wouldn't even, there's nothing unusual about it. You just think they booked a brilliant, like really fun fake out and a really cool, like brand warfare moment. And they, it's, it's, it's a genuinely incredible moment. And it's even more incredible to go back and watch it and realize that they were just making all of it up. Like the most high stakes you could possibly have in wrestling. They're just winging it. They're just absolutely winging it. And they crushed it. It's it's an incredible – everyone should go look it up. If you're one of those people who's just kind of casual about this and just listens because you're a friend of mine and you don't watch a lot of wrestling, watch the ending to this match. <laughs> the, the part where Batista wins is not that exciting, but everything leading up to that is why I love pro wrestling. And, it's just and incredible. And also you got to watch it for one of the greatest eliminations of all time. Which one is that? Oh, are you kidding me, Harris? When Batista took the head off of Paul London? Oh yeah, and flips him out of the ring. Mm-hmm. It's one of the greatest things ever. There's a lot of really, there's some fun stuff in this match, but like I said, you could just skip straight to the final four. True, it's absolutely incredible. It's some of the best. Like, it's not a work rate thing when I say this, but it's some of the best pro wrestling I've ever seen. In terms of the theatricality of it all, of the ability to look at one another 
realize for a millisecond that you have no idea what's about to happen and just keep going, it's incredible. It's absolutely fantastic. Vince McMahon, by the way, I saw this in this interview with Edge. Who, again, just kind of like got backstage and was like, yo, are you serious? What's happening? <laughs> and then we're all like, we don't know. <laughs> he was like, all right, I'm just going to kind of get out of the way. He went back to the locker room and they made everyone like get out of the hallway because Vince McMahon refused help and walked <laughs> back to his limo with no quads by himself <laughs> and got his limo to drive him to the hospital. That's awesome. It's dude. It's all awesome. That it's is an awesome. absolutely insane thing that happened. It's probably one of my favorite wrestling moments of all time because it perfectly encapsulates just how good these guys have to be. And it's an absolute blast. Now here's a, another good, good question posed. If this happened in the 2020 Royal rumble, would it be even remotely decent? And the answer, was... Harris, is no, because okay. no one in WWE can improvise anymore, other than a handful of guys that could already do it beforehand. I don't. I mean, do we know that for a fact, though? I feel like they haven't been put in any situations where they have to. That's my point. Improving is not. It's not easy. It's not no. something that you can really just do. Like it. it it's. It's something that's learned. Well, like and you... the other. The other reason this works so well is because they have this built-in mechanic of the brand war that they can just lean into without even having to. That's not, I mean, they could still do the same thing with the two different refs, but even like these two guys, if it were like Drew and Roman, the odds of them hitting the ground at the same time on a botched finish (laughs) is just astronomical. Like the fact that it happened once is insane. Yeah. It's just, it it was the perfect storm of factors that like couldn't ever happen again. Oh no, no, definitely not. Because of the talent involved and the fact that they got a little bit lucky and also the fact that Vince McMahon tore both of his quads in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, that, Everyone that, go awesome. watch it. That's that's all I have to say. We can pivot to our second topic for today, but my word, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, that is amazing. So that'll do it for this one. Uh, make sure and follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. You can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. Oh, and I'm at Harris Wilson. Sorry. <laughs> yep. And also join us, of course, next week for another crazy, crazy wrestling episode of something I haven't picked yet. But uh, it'll it'll be great. That's for sure. I don't know if it'll be quite as good as this because this is just all time, all time classic. But I'll try. I'll try my best. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.